Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Andrew Harith. Welcome to another episode of Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. I'm looking at my my dearly beloved co-host here, Andrew Decker. How are you, sir? I'm doing well because do you know what happens this weekend? It is some kind of opening day of some sort, right? Yeah, some sort. It's okay. college football. Oh, college football. There we go. I, I, thought, I was like, well, oh, dove season. Dove season. Yeah. Labor Day, but let's be honest. College football actually it's, starts uh, you yeah, know, it, well, the, actually, on the first. actually started last week, you know, with a few few games, but. I was just talking about this the other day with one of the bailiffs at the uh, um, at the courthouse. Um, I I dislike NFL preseason football more than anything else. I don't want to sit there and watch a scrimmage. You guys don't even have to televise that crap. No, it's fine by me. I really don't care about it. Um, but yeah, college football is what I really live for. I'm really excited. Yeah, I, like li- you. I I upped my TV subscription for the next four months just for yeah college football. Oh yeah, yeah. That, it's that's a beautiful. Great. It's a beautiful thing. I love it, man. Well, you know what? Um, what I'm really looking forward to, what is our guest today? <laughs> oh, excellent! That's yes. a good point. We great segue, have right? A guest today, we're we have really had good at this. Yeah, and so we're talking with James Luster today. Hello, James. How are you? Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Pretty we're, good. We're doing pretty good. well. So, um, uh, James is. Uh, we want to introduce yourself. Tell us uh, first how you got into the law and how you got into criminal defense. Well, I'm, I'm originally from a, a town South of Abilene called Buffalo Gap, pretty small town. And I've driven through it. Well, then you uh, hope you didn't blink. Um, there's some, some good things in Buffalo Gap. There's a steakhouse there. That's a Perini steakhouse. That we like to go to, but so I grew up out there in West Texas. Uh, my dad owned a construction company. I, I kind of worked for him during high school through college and and I thought that maybe I would take over the construction company but I always had this sense that I wanted to be an attorney as well and so I ended up going to law school in Houston um while I was in law school like a lot of people I probably changed my mind a couple of times about what I wanted to do uh, what type of law I wanted to practice but my third year at, at in Houston in law school I did an internship at the DA's office in Harris County and was able to to try a case with a third year bar card and just loved it. I knew that's what I wanted to do. And so I went into criminal law and, and got a job at the Tarrant County DA's office. And that eventually led to what I do now, which is criminal defense. You know, I really like that because that's that's exactly how my criminal defense story began as well. I, I thought I wanted to be a real estate lawyer and I interned at the Harris County DA's office and fell in love with criminal law. Um, and so you started down there in Houston. How'd you get, how'd you get transitioned back up to North Texas? Well, um, you know, at that time, Tarrant County, if you wanted to be a prosecutor kind of statewide, Tarrant County was, uh, seen as the best, or at least in most people's minds, the best office and certainly one of the best offices. And I went to college in Abilene as well. And so, I didn't want to go back to Abilene. That was a little too small for, for where I wanted to be. I didn't necessarily wanted to stay in Houston. I wanted to, to get out of Houston, nothing against Houston, but I wanted to leave there. And so Tarrant County, the, the you know, one of the best DA's offices in the state, um, a, a fairly large city, not too far away from my parents in Abilene and the Abilene area. 
in a lot of things just fit right. I, I had a lot of friends who came here. This is just kind of somewhere people come after they finished college in Abilene. So I had some friends here. And so it, it just was a good fit for me in a lot of ways. But as far as career goes, it, it just was a, a highly respected district attorney's office. Yeah. Yeah. When that, that's kind of funny. You say that when I was a prosecutor down in South Texas, that was the, the same, um, the, you know, they had the same reputation up here in Tarrant County. Um, so, um, you begin your career as a prosecutor, as many of us do transition up to North Speak Texas for yourself, <laughs> as many of the best attorneys do, I should say, just kidding, Mr. Decker. <clears throat> um, so when you, when you made the decision to go out on your own and hang your shingle, were you by yourself or did you immediately decide to partner up with someone? I was originally by myself. So when I left, I was at the DA's office for about six years. And when I left the DA's office, um, there were some, when you're at the DA's office, especially when that size, there's always people talking about leaving discussion. People are always thinking about it and deciding not to that, that those discussions go around. And so there were some people still there who we had discussed leaving together, but at that time I thought I just wanted to be on my own. I didn't want my wagon hitched to anyone else. If I wanted to, it's funny to think about this now, but at that time in my mind, Hey, if I want to take a month off and not do anything, I don't want, I just want to do that by the same token. I don't want to be working 80 hours a week when someone else isn't pulling their weight. And so I just wanted to have that kind of freedom to do my own thing and not have any dependency or, or anyone depending on me. Now, my mindset has shifted. There was never a time period where I would take a month off, um, much less when I was by myself, that would have been even less able to do that. But um, so when I first left, it was just me by myself. That's what I wanted to do at that time. And I went, a friend of mine in Arlington uh, had an office in his reception area where his receptionist would sit was open at that time. So he kind of let me office with him. He's not an attorney, but I officed out of his office for a few months. And I was lucky enough to. Uh, so you truly were a glorified receptionist. I was know? very much a glorified receptionist. <laughs> I'm sorry. And I enjoyed it. Uh, it, it was a temporary setup, but I, I'm thankful for it because it helped me get on my feet. Um, but yeah, I, I ended up uh, sharing some office space with Virginia Carter with some other attorneys in the area and things started to kind of grow from there. So, you know, I, you said you shared space with Virginia Carter and some others. You know, currently I'm, I share space uh, in Fort Worth and uh, and actually in Tarrant and sorry, in Parker County as well. I share space with other attorneys. Why, what made you think, Hey, I don't want to just share space. I actually want to, um, hitch up my wagon with these, these men or women. That took, that took some time because I still had it in me where I just wanted to, to be my own person. Um, and so, I, that was our situation for a few years where, where I was just kind of sharing office space, sharing an assistant um, that that lasted for several years. Now, I guess what changed was you, you and you guys have maybe experienced this 
to some extent, but I started to feel some of the limitations to that. And um, a good friend of mine, Cody Kofer, who had been in private practice as well, and then he had taken a job at the Federal Public Defender's Office here in, in North Texas in the Fort Worth Division. Um, and, and he and I were good friends, and we would sometimes work out together at the YMCA, hang out outside of work. Well, we began to kind of discuss his plans of maybe he wanted to go back into private practice. And so initially, we just started having conversations about what it would look like. It wasn't like I was actively seeking out someone to partner with. It just so happened that um, I guess my practice was at a point where I, I had was more open to that idea. And it, it the timing worked out with Cody's plan to leave the public defender's office and go back into private practice. And so these conversations kind of developed organically. Neither one of us necessarily started out with a plan to partner with each other. Um, but, but that's where it led to. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Right. I mean, some, the, the, the idea that timing is everything is often very much true. Um, you know, how do you end up partnering with someone? Well, you've got to be ready and they've got to be ready at the same time. Um, so the two of you partner up, is it just the two of you in the office now? I know the, the firm is coffer luster firm, but is it just the two of you? Have you expanded? So, so in the beginning, I was still sharing, um, and Andrew, you, you've been to the, our old office space uh, on the other yeah. side of downtown Fort Worth. I, I was sharing some office space still with uh, Virginia Carter. There, there were a few other attorneys that we were had no formal, formal business relationship, but we were sharing space. And by that time, uh, Virginia, she had a very good assistant, Rachel, who kind of over time gradually began working more and more for me as well. So at that point, we were sharing an assistant, sharing office space, and Cody and I, in the beginning, were just sitting on opposite sides of my desk. And that's kind of how we started. It was just Cody and I with with an assistant we shared with other attorneys. Um, and, and it was like that until we kind of started slowly taking over a little bit more office space in our former location. Um, and so in the beginning, for for maybe the first couple of years is just Cody and I. So when you and Cody were having these conversations and forming, you know, what, what would be your, your law firm, you know, what, um, you, did you guys have to draft out like a partnership agreement, um, any kind of, you know, contract or, or anything legal as far or, or filing anything with the state bar or the secretary of state's office or anything along those lines? We did because we were setting up a new business. We didn't we didn't merge two law practices. We didn't one of our practices didn't consume the other one. We started a brand new law firm with the name Kofer Luster Law Firm. And so it was set up as a as an S corporation. So we did have to, uh, you know, I think you asked about the state bar and the secretary of state. We had to, right. we had to follow the, the normal paperwork with the secretary of state to start a business and, and to okay. establish a business name and a corporation. We had to file everything with the IRS uh, as far as that goes as well. As far as the bar goes, you know, there's not really, you don't have to, essentially your name can't be a, a deceptive name. Um, you know, I'll, I'll get all your cases dismissed law firm. You can't do something like that. Right. Um, 
but we were just too even if it's true even if it's true even if it's true and so um but you do you know we opened a new iolta account uh, and so we had to go through the steps to be in compliance as far as that goes but we have um and, and we did draft a partnership agreement now we didn't do that ourselves we have a there's a friend of our or he's really a friend of cody's but a local attorney who's a CPA and an attorney, and he does a lot of that kind of work. And so he drew up all of our formation documents, things like that. And, and you know, it could have been, I guess, a handshake situation because Cody and I, we've been good friends for a number of years. But that's not how we wanted to start things. That's not really how we wanted to run our firm. Uh, we wanted to kind of cross all the T's, dot all the I's. And, and, and any, even if you're just going into to business with a friend of yours that you trust, you can protect that friendship by making sure that the business side of things is um, that all the contingencies are, are planned for and that everyone's on the same page in terms of expectations. And so the partnership agreement, I think is, is, is essential in terms of making sure everyone's on the same page and living up to those agreements. Yeah. It's kind of like what they say, you know, fences make good neighbors. Like if you're going into business with a friend, the partnership agreement can really protect that friendship. So I'm glad you guys took the time to do that. And I think it's really great advice for our listeners who may be thinking about doing the same thing is uh, you want and bring in a professional you know, you don't just want to have it written out, you know, like me, I would write it out in crayon on a yellow pad or something and, uh, make Andrew sign it or something, you know, and, uh, but having a professional who can like, who understands what exactly is needed in the document, um, is really great advice. And we're all tempted to do that kind of stuff ourselves, maybe because we're lawyers, we're attorneys. We feel like oh, I should be able to write this up, but that's not the kind of law that I practice. And it's an agreement that I'm going to be signing along with somebody else let's just have a third party draft this so that there's not a lot of conflict uh, right. in terms of some of those conditions and things so how long how long did that take once you once you and uh cody decided to partner up and you make that decision how long did it take from there until the partnership agreement and formation is done through the secretary of state <clears throat> It's a it really doesn't have to be exact, but yeah, it's a fast process. Once you, I mean, I guess for us, the decision was made um, a little bit before we really started making things happen because Cody had some things he wanted to resolve before he left the public defender's office. But but once we really got the ball rolling in terms of having things filed with the Secretary of State and and all that part of it partnership agreement inside of a month, I would say it, it might've been about a month. Yeah. That's pretty quick. It's very it's quick. quick. Now, now the same guy who did our partnership agreement, he also handled all the secretary of state stuff with us. It's something he does on a regular basis and, and he does it electronically. And, um, you know, I, I don't know to what extent he might've been able to expedite that. If I'd have done it myself, it might've taken a little bit longer, but it's a pretty fast process. Sure. Yeah. Well, and and again, to to kind of piggyback on what you're saying, I don't do that kind of law. I could figure it out as a criminal defense attorney because it's it's not impossible 
but it's well worth paying someone who knows how to do it, can do it much faster than I can, and won't screw it up. Yeah. Right? Because I can screw something up. I tell people all the time, I don't take that kind of case. All I do is screw it up. Well, and I, I have, it, it, I'm, I'm organized. My firm is organized. It's an S corp. It's a PLLC. And so I filed that paperwork myself, but if I were working with somebody else or I'm creating a partnership and there's got to be clear guidelines as to, as to, you know, what happens if I die in a car wreck, you know, who's going to take these cases or what happens if we're going to shut down the the practice or how are fees going to be shared and all that kind of stuff. Like I'm bringing in an expert to handling, to handle everything. Right. And it's, it's different too, when you have, cause when I, when I started my original law firm, when it was just me, um, I did all that stuff myself as well. File, and, and I've done it as well for, for uh, something I I'm participating in an LLC with some rental houses. And so I've done, yeah. So, but in terms of when, when Cody and I were ready to partner up, um, I was in the kind of the same boat that you guys are in where I have an ongoing criminal practice. So the time that I spend making sure I do this other thing correctly is taking away from where I really make my living. And so it, it just, in a lot of ways, made a lot more sense for someone else to, to come in and do a lot of that part of it for us. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So how long was it just you two guys before y'all decided to add on staff or, or associates, which came first, another attorney or, you know, uh, receptionist, paralegal, the well, works? I, I, was, <clears throat> I was really lucky, kind of like I mentioned earlier, because when I started splitting office space with another attorney, she already had an assistant and who was a very good assistant. She was a, a not just a receptionist, but she did a lot more of the hands-on uh, legal assistant type work as well. And Andrew, you know, you know, Rachel. And so she's yeah. great. And so she was already in place in, in when it was just Cody and I, it was just us and Rachel. Um, and then the next hire we made, I want to say that that was between two and two and a half years after we started together. Uh, and then we, it was another attorney, Daniel Collins. And so we didn't add a new staff person yet at that time, but one would have been justified based on just the workload. But at that time we hired Daniel Collins. And so we kind of always had a steady flow of interns, uh, law students and undergrads that would come in and out. And, and so that was a, sometimes that can, take some work off your plate. Sometimes it kind of adds work to your plate, but right. other than interns, we didn't have any other staff people at that time. So it was three attorneys and Rachel. Yep. Right. Yeah. Um, yep. And, and how did you decide, you know, if there's three attorneys in the office uh, and I'm assuming it's still just two partners or is Daniel a partner at this point? At, not he is now, but at that point he was not. Okay. All right. And I, and, and good job anticipating the next question. Thank yeah. you. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, if you have two partners and now three partners, how do you decide who gets what case? So at a firm our size, you could do it a lot of different ways. You could assign a case to, a, to an individual attorney and have that individual attorney just be the attorney on that case. That's not really how we've done it. 
we, you know, at it, there's four of us now, but, but even when there's three or four of us at any given time in the life of a case here, it might be touched by all the attorneys at different times. And that works. That would be a, a, probably a bad idea for a, a really large firm with a bunch of attorneys, but it works for us as long as everybody's notating the file and things like that. Um, but you can't just kind of leave it up to hoping that someone will get around to working on that case. So, so what is helpful is if you designate a, a lead attorney um, and then that lead attorney not doesn't necessarily have to do everything on that case, but he's in charge of making sure things get done. And so that, you know, that's a little bit less, you know, it's not like we have a certain type of case that, that goes to a certain attorney because we're all going to usually be working on it. Now, the exception to that is federal cases. Uh, we have a, a decent amount of federal work and Cody and I handle almost all of that. Um, but as far as that, yeah. the other type of cases, it, it just, there's someone in charge of making sure that everything's getting done, but any one of us might be working on it at any given time. Now of you and Cody, is there one managing partner who's kind of making those decisions like case assignments, or is it both of y'all or, or the whole team together kind of saying, you know, Daniel, you're the lead attorney, Cody, you're on this one, James, you're on this one kind of decision. There's, there's not really, there's not one of us that's a managing partner. Diff, each of us kind of take charge of different aspects. I'm generally in charge of the case assignment part of it. Okay. But it's, it's to be honest, it, it tends to be a little bit more of a group um, decision. Okay. And a lot of it has to do with just workload at the time that someone has. So what I'm, what I'm, I guess what I'm hearing is that, you know, after two and a half years of just you and Cody, um, you know, you start thinking like, Hey, we're, we're really busy. We could really use another attorney just with your current workload, let alone, you know, what that other attorney could bring in as far as work goes as well. Right. Um, so, so, um, you know, kind of like when you're talking about partnering up with Cody, it's really just, a um, a workload slash, um, you know, lifestyle choice, I guess, when, when determining whether or not to expand or kind of cap off your workload, if it's just you as a solo attorney. And that's what you have to do. You have to do one or the other. You, well, I guess different people run practices a little bit different, but for us, at some point, you're not going to be able to spend the time on each case that you really want to unless you bring somebody else on, or you're going to have to just stop taking cases for a little while. And right. we've kind of done a combination of of those over the years at different times. But, you know, to be honest, we never, we've never been at a point where we felt like, let's go search for an attorney to hire. Um, for us, we've been real fortunate just off and on over the years, there's been people who've expressed interest in working with us. Um, that happens from time to time. And maybe that's not the right fit or maybe that's not the right time or whatever the case might be. But we've been really fortunate that it, it, at certain times we've just known of excellent attorneys who were ready to make some type of transition. We thought they'd be a good fit and we were able to bring them on. And, and it was more about the right person is available right now probably drove that decision more than what our needs were in that moment. 
Yeah, and I, I know that that's again we're not a partnership. Obviously, everyone makes a joke about the not a partnership of Daniel Evans, Moore, Biggs, and Decker, right? And Schmid. Um, but in that group, it's the same way. They don't go looking for attorneys. If there's a spot open and they need someone, they kind of go, "Hey, we think so and so might be available. Would you want to?" And that is one of the nicer things about having a small uh, office, a small firm, is that you do get to be selective. It's not a, we're going to go put an ad out on the uh, state bar and see who, who applies. It's a, hey, we, uh, we would like for you to possibly consider joining and working for us or taking an office at this, not a partnership, right? Kind of similar, similar kind of. Yeah, it's less you, forced. You, it's more natural. You pick and choose versus right. hiring and firing and finding someone. Yeah. So, so yeah, Daniel's been with you for a while. Um, you know, as an associate, he was the first guy that that y'all hired on outside of just the two of you. Um, and you you told Andrew just a minute ago that he's now a partner. When? How do you make that decision? How do you how do you know when it's the right time to add on a partner, and what does that process look like? Well, when we hired Daniel, it was always with the plan of, um, I guess, a, a large civil firm would call it a partnership track. I mean, we don't have that officially, but it, it was always the plan was he's going to become a partner. That was part of our discussions between Cody and I. That was part of our discussions with with Dan. It was kind of just our understanding that we're going to do this for a certain amount of time. And if it's working for everyone, we're going to just make it official and you're going to be a partner. And so for for Dan, that was predetermined. Um, and, And you can do that, make those kind of, you know, pre decided put yourself in those kind of situations when you're dealing with somebody that you know well already and you, you know his worth work ethic, his abilities. Um, it wasn't necessarily that he had to prove himself to us because we already knew what he was capable of. It was more about making sure we're all just a good fit for each other. And so with Dan, that's kind of the, it, it was never really a question um, as long as everything, as long as we all worked well together, he was going to be a partner. Um, and so we really haven't, you know, we don't have some sort of official metric or something like that that someone has to meet um, in order to become a partner. We don't, we don't necessarily want to grow into a huge sprawling law firm with a ton of partners. It just so happens that the, like I said earlier, the right people have been available at the right time. Right. And so as a, as a partner, just, I guess, as a, a difference between a partner and associate, um, an associate would just be, you know, just like an employee, they, they take their salary, um, and, and that's really it. Um, and for a partner, um, you know, they're what, I mean, is it, they're, they're actually, um, an equity partner in the firm. So they're, they're taking a vested interest in, and in what the firm pulls in. Right. And there's there's different types of structures that that could be created. There are um, non-equity partners. There are equity partners. There are um, sometimes there's just associates that have bonus structures that are tied to profit, which is. um, Yeah, they might not have any equity, but they have a direct interest in profitability still. And so 
um, for us, you know, we don't have non-equity. We don't have any sort of complicated structure in place as far as that goes. If you're a partner, you're just a partner, just like gotcha. us. Okay. So, so many different um, ways of, I guess, compensation and, and just need to figure out, do your due diligence and kind of see what, be- what works best for your particular organization out there for all our listeners. Um, and uh, we're going to start wrapping up here before long, but how, how do you figure out you know, payroll, you know, taxes, insurance benefits for, you know, now this growing firm for you and everybody's got families and, you know, how, how, how is all that, um, I guess, kind of determined? Well, of course we, we determine how much we're going to pay someone, but as far as the the execution on a biweekly basis of payroll and that kind of stuff, we have, we have a bookkeeper. We outsource our bookkeeping. And then that bookkeeper also does our payroll. So she she handles that um, in terms of benefits and, and how we do benefits. You know, there's a lot that that goes into that. You can't for, for a non-attorney employee, obviously, you can't have any type of structure that where they're sharing in the profits of the firm. You can't have right. them receiving any benefit that's tied to the firm's profitability with the exception of uh, their retirement. You can have a retirement account for a non-attorney employee that is directly tied to profitability. Um, and so there, you know, it's hard to, without getting too in detail, it's hard sometimes to to know what the right combination of benefits are. Um, but obviously the, the that's going to depend on the cost of the benefit to the firm and how it affects attracting and retaining good people. Yeah. Yeah. So then maybe another great, uh, conversation to have with, with a bookkeeper looking at, you know, how much money you're pulling in, what you can actually afford and commit to and all that. Right. Yeah. And and it's, it's going to be different. You know, I don't know that there's a right or wrong benefit package. It's just going to be different for different people. it, it, It is what you can, what the benefit package that is necessary to be able to to hire and retain the staff you need, or exactly. want, yeah. right? You know that's that's uh, whether it's salary or benefit or whatever that that ends up being the package you've got to figure out how to create. Well, and I know you mentioned this earlier too, but um, about you know didn't you just had to set up your IOLTA and make sure the state bar had that information? But as you grow your firm, are you having to to update the state bar at all? with you know new partners new staff members anything like that you have to update the iota part of it um you don't necessarily have to notify the bar every time you um hire someone or 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 make someone a partner but you know you want everybody at your law firm you want their their profile on the state bar's website to reflect that they work at your law firm so you know in that sense we we make sure that that's done um, but you know, there's really not a lot of red tape when you're hiring another attorney, you know, you can just hire the attorney. Right. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I think that's like part of the, when I think about, you know, possible expansions, I, my mind just automatically thinks, oh, it's too much red tape. Don't it's just, but really it's not right. Just, just take the action. You can always deal with, um, you know, deal with the, the paperwork and stuff later. Um, you know, so long as financially it makes sense. Right. Yeah. So great. 
James, it, this has been great information. Um, I, I think it's one of those where we could probably pick your brain for like a day and a half on, you know, exactly how and when and where, but the idea that it can be done, uh, you need to have it in writing. You need to have someone else draft the draft the partnership agreements. Um, and then outsourcing stuff like payroll. Again, I don't know tax law. Don't make me do right. it. That's going to be dumb. Um, is is smart smart information. Um, but we always ask everybody a few fun questions. Uh, for and we sent these to you so you know they're coming. What is your favorite band or musical artist? That changes quite a bit. Um, I'd say right now it's probably Jason Isbell. Um, singer, right on. Singer. Yeah, and he's he's just the way he can uh, turn a phrase. You know, he's, yeah. he's a very good songwriter. Yes, he is. What about your uh, favorite book or maybe one you're reading now that you'd recommend? Well, um, personally, probably my favorite book is Lonesome Dove. I've I've read that several times. Uh, watched the movie several times in terms of business for any attorney that's in practice for themselves or wants to go into practice for themselves. I would highly recommend a book called the E-Myth attorney. Mm -hmm. The E-Myth. Yeah, that's attorney. a great book. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, you know, the, the premise behind it is that the E stands for entrepreneur and a lot of attorneys, it's a myth. They think they're entrepreneurs, but that's just a myth in their own mind because really all they're doing is, um, just doing everything by themselves and, and they're just keeping their head above water trying to run a practice all alone and I don't mean in terms of other attorneys I mean in terms of answering their own phone calls answering their own you know yeah their own faxes and and you know there's attorneys who don't have staff they don't even have somebody answering their own their phones because they don't think they can afford it and you know I'm not sure how they can afford not to have that help yeah it is amazing the time that is saved when I, when yeah. I go to my assistant and say, Connie, can you file this? Right. Cause she does it all the time. It's much quicker than if I do it and it is well worth the money that but, I pay her. Yeah. And that's the fear that I went through when I was hiring uh, an office manager was like, Oh man, am I going to be able to afford this? And then, I mean, it was like night and day. My business grew by leaps and bounds once I had somebody answering the phones. Yeah. So I like the premise of that book. It work. Uh, on work on your business, not in your business. Um, that kind of goes to the next question, though. What's yeah. the best piece of advice you've been given? It could be professional or personal. Well, I guess I have two. I mean, I, I don't at the risk of sounding cliche. Jesus says to treat other people the way that you want to be treated. And I think that is I mean, he has a lot of good advice, in my opinion. But that's <laughs> that's an excellent piece of advice that anyone could live by. James, that might be the understatement of the year. Yeah. Jesus <laughs> has a lot of good advice. <laughs> he has a good bit of, of good advice. And um, it's in those red letters. But that's that's part of it is he says to treat others the way you'd like to be treated. And he doesn't say treat other people the way they treat you. Yeah. And I think that that's a good way to go about life in general. I think it's also a good way to go about your professional life because people develop reputations and whether people understand it or not, those reputations will kind of make their way back to you in some form one day. And so you can't go wrong if you're treating people well. Um, and I guess professionally, my <clears throat> dad is a small business owner. He owned a, a construction company. He's retired now. But when I left the DA's office and was uh, going to open my own practice, he he kind of warned me against letting my work consume me because he'd lived through that and any small business owner can relate to that. 
And that really resonates with me, especially now because I have some young children and a family. And um, so, so not to, as important as business is, as important as the practice of law is, there are things that are more important. And when we start letting this take over our entire lives, we've let it go a little too far. Yeah. I love it, man. That is great advice. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to talk to James or talk to the Coffer Luster firm, Mm -hmm. uh, you can actually find them on the web at uh, cofferluster.com. And we'll put that in the show notes. Andy knows how to do that. I don't. Yeah. Um, But we want to thank you for being on the show. uh, And, thank all of our listeners again for listening it is amazing how the show has grown over the last several months Um, you can find us on Facebook you can find us on Twitter and you obviously can find us where you listen to your local podcast Uh, thanks thanks for having me guys thanks James wonderful wonderful